Hi everyone, um, thanks for coming along tonight. Uh, one of the things I've really loved about um, the discipleship course is um, getting to know so many different people from different services. Uh, so it's been lovely to meet some of you guys over the last few weeks, but um, for the people who I haven't met, um, my name is James uh, and this is Lucy, my wife. Um, we've been going to Holy Trinity Clapham for about three years, three uh, for me, two for Lucy. Um, we got married two years ago. We normally go to the 6pm service, but we've, we've ticked off all of them over, over the years. Uh, and uh, it's really lovely to be here. Um, we also run a little connect group down in Battersea. Um, and today we're going to be talking uh, about holiness. Mm. And I felt a little bit daunted when we were asked to speak on holiness. Um, partly because I wasn't very clear what holiness was. But having studied this, it's actually been the most amazing exploration um, through the Bible. And we really hope that you will leave the room tonight feeling much more confident in what holiness is and how we can actually work that out in our day-to-day, wherever we are. So James is going to start with an overview of what holiness is and what it looks like through the Bible. And then we'll think about how we can work that out um, in our everyday lives. Thanks. So, uh, I'm very briefly going to start by just talking about why I think it is important for us to think about this, because I don't think I actually often think about holiness uh, seriously and consciously. Um, and one of the things I found helpful was that uh, in, in the uh, Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, um, in Hebrew and in Greek, uh, there wasn't a word, there was no way of showing emphasis by using punctuation or using capitals. Uh, so, if, when we want to say something really important, we put those exclamation marks at the end, or we put it in, in caps lock. Um, but they didn't do that, they didn't have those. Um, but the way that they did show emphasis is by repeating things. So, you can see a few examples of this in the Bible. Uh, in one of Paul's letters, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice, to show just how important that is. Uh, or if you look at the Gospels, Jesus, often before he says something um, particularly crucial, he says, Truly, truly. I say to you. Uh, And the point of that is to just reinforce just how important that is, to sort of click into our heads and realise just how critical is what he's going to say. Now, if something's really important, you repeat it once. If something's really, really important, you repeat it twice. And there is only one description of God that gets to that very high bar of being repeated twice in the Bible. And it is when the angels say, there are a few different passages where this happens, but where the angels say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It's reinforcing that holiness is fundamentally one of the most important characteristics of God. Um, And it has ultimate significance and real importance to us. So I think that just gives a little glimpse of why it's useful for us to be thinking about this today. But I wanted to start uh, in your groups by just giving you a bit of time to speak with each other and have a think about what holiness actually means. I think it's quite hard to define, um, so I've given you a tricky challenge. But uh, there are a couple of questions on your handouts, so why don't you take a couple of minutes to uh, talk with each other, um, so you can come up with a good definition of holiness in one sentence, and similarly, how do you think the Bible defines holiness, if that's any different um, to your definition? Who has a definition of holiness that they want to 
seconds. Anyone else? Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, 
there, and you can uh, read it later. Uh, but the, the background of Isaiah 6 is that Isaiah has a vision, and it is terrifying, and he sees the Lord face to face, and uh, the seraphim, the angels around, say that phrase that I said earlier, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And Isaiah's reaction to this, which is in verse 5, he says, Woe to me, woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. He got that sense, like those early passages we were talking about, that if he got anywhere near a holy God, it would, it would destroy him. He just simply wasn't good enough. And you think, surely the implications of this is death. That is what he was thinking. But suddenly, in verse 6, you see something um, strange and surprising to both us and to the readers of the time. And one of the seraphim says, flew up and he had a hot coal from uh, the centre of the altar, from, from where the core of holiness was. And this angel flew up and he put the coal to Isaiah's mouth. And he says, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And there's suddenly this sense here that holiness is, is no longer something where if we go near it, we die. But all that if it comes near us, it gives us life, it gives us healing, uh, it gives us cleansing. That's really interesting. And then when you move into the New Testament, which we've got some more, some more verses, you see even more of this. Most obviously, Jesus arrives, um, and, and in Mark 1.24, uh, one of the, um, someone possessed by demons even identifies Jesus as the Holy One of God, the person that embodies holiness, all of his holiness. And yet Jesus doesn't bring death. But he comes and he brings healing. He brings cleansing to the people that are unclean, to the people that are ill. Um, and then we also see the Holy Spirit. So first the Holy Spirit entering Jesus, and then later on in Acts and beyond, the Holy Spirit filling the church. And this sense that then holiness embodies them, and it's no longer something that brings death to them, but it brings life to them. Um, and, and you see that the rest of this, a lot of Paul's letters talk about how we're called to a holy life, or we are, we are made holy. We have confidence to enter the most holy place in Hebrews. There's a complete turnaround in, in, in our relationship with it. And then finally in Revelation, the last reference to holy in the Bible, is this vision of seeing the church, the New Jerusalem, as the holy city coming down out of heaven um, from God, prepared as a bride uh, for Christ. Now, it, this is a huge topic and there's clearly lots of different angles to this, but I, I tried to summarise it um, in a little diagram to people that, um, who find that helpful. Um, and I, I, th I think the way I, I would see it is, um, firstly, one of the important things about understanding holiness is to recognise that fundamentally God is holy and that we are not. And that left alone, the implication of that would be terrifying and it would be dangerous and the consequence would be death. And we wouldn't be able to live in the life and the presence of God. But then the good news, as we all know, is that Christ and the cross has made us holy. It's reversed that so that no longer when we go near holiness, uh, we, we need to fear death. But Jesus, in all of his holiness, came to us um, and made, hope, made us holy and allowed us to be in his presence for all of our lives. And not only that, Jesus then also showed us what it looks like to be holy. He gave, he gave the example of a perfect life, of a holy life, of someone who went and made other people's, other people holy um, and brought them cleansing and brought them life. Um, and therefore the implication for us is that we should go and do likewise. Be holy because I am holy, it says. So that is a really quick whistle-stop tour of 
um, how the Bible talks about holiness, a lot of it's based on um, Rowan Williams' chapter, which is brilliant, and I should I recommend that you all read it. Uh, and now Lucy's going to talk a little bit about um, what the application might be for us in our lives. Um, so hopefully we're feeling a little bit clearer on what holiness looks like um, across the Bible. But whenever I poll my friends um, before this on whether they feel holy, normally the answer is actually no, not day to day. Um, maybe holy people are the mother to readers and the really good people. And I want just us to dig a little bit deeper into what that means for us to be called holy people by God. And just to flip to those um, two verses that we covered forward to, I think. Um, yeah, which, I mean, we're looking at Isaiah 62. They will be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And 1 Peter 2, 9, which says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Um, and this means actually God has called us holy. So it doesn't depend on how good we're feeling that day or how well we're doing as a Christian. Actually, we are called holy by God. And it's a bit like when I got married to James, my status changed immediately and I suddenly became his wife. And there are days when I didn't do a very good job, forget to buy the milk, or I don't know if I have to take the bins out or where our bins are. And um, actually, I am legally um, and under the covenant we made to God, his wife. And I'm hoping that as we journey through marriage over the years, I will get better and more gracious and wiser at working out that identity. Um, and I think it's the same for, for holiness. We are holy, but we are also works in progress and we are called to become holier. So it's the tension we can hold in both hands. And um, in the chapter, Rowan Williams describes, I don't think I have this quote, so I have to listen. Um, Rowan Williams describes um, encountering people who are on that journey of becoming holier. And he says, holy people actually make you feel better than you are. The holy person somehow enlarges your world, makes you feel more yourself, opens you up, affirms you. They are not in competition with you. They are not saying, I've got something you haven't. They are showing us something that it is wonderful to have in this world. And I just love that. And I wonder if there's people that spring to mind when you think of that description. And I wonder what it is about those people that we would love to emulate as we try and become more holy, more like Jesus. So time for a little chat in your groups again. Um, we're thinking, one, how can we become holier in our day-to-day? And two, what might that mean for your character and for your interactions with people day to day? Let's go. Who, uh, let's talk about one of the questions. Um, uh, uh, what, what do people think it might look like to be holy in their day-to-day lives? What, what are the reflections that people have had on that?
sometimes believe in God's word when it, you know, is, is up there. You know, he says to us that we are a holy people, a chosen people. Mm -hmm. So I think if we believed in that more, we would believe that we are perhaps holy and the people of God we should be. I agree with the concept of being a chosen people, though. I find that quite hard to um, embrace. Mm. Why, why do you think so? Because, because where well, we can choose, we can choose God, but lots of people don't. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that's their right and their privilege. He chooses everyone. He chooses everyone, yeah. Uh, uh, but the, but, but when, in the Bible, when we talk about God's uh, chosen people, it tends to well, it's, it's mainly the Jews in the past. You know, so, so it has an exclusivity about it.
absolutely involved, the only is being absolutely involved. Uh, who has any reflections on what that might look like for them or for us? Uh, Rowan Williams talks about this as well. 
Uh, and I think, me personally, I, I often think of holiness as a very um, single thing, it's just about me and not about anyone else. Um, but this, I found this quote really helpful thinking about what does it look like to be a holy church. Rowan says, we might think that a holy church must be a church that is full of people a bit like me at my best. But when the church tries to become holy in that way, it almost always ends up in an appalling mess, exclusive, anxious, and self-conscious. Whereas the truly holy church is taken over by the excitement of the extraordinariness of God. It wants to talk about the beauty and splendour of God and to show the self-training, self-forgetting love of God by being the heart of humanity, by being where people are most human. I think that's a fantastic description of what it looks like for a church to be holy. Um, just in the last in the last minute or so, why don't we quickly chat in groups um, about practically what do you think that would look like for Holy Trinity Clapham to be holy like this? How can we develop this culture and how can we put it to practice and work it through our services and our programs? Hello everyone. Um, any any thoughts on on that that last question? Holy and righteous in your eyes, 
all the days of our lives. And so it's in Jesus' name we pray and to his glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.